Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. And welcome back to another episode of Other You. I am your host, D. And today on the show, I have with me a PhD candidate from Ohio State, or the Ohio State, if I'm being specific, whose focus is on the relationship between the Cold War and the war on drugs. She's a managing editor of Origins, Current Events, in Historical Perspective, as well as a podcast host who is working on season two of the show, Prologued. She also has two cats, Mac and Cheese, in the office today. They might appear on the show. Please welcome to the show... Brianna Mendoza, spelled with an O. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's super cool to be here. It's super cool. Uh, I think anyways, as I'm sort of dipping my toes into the pool of podcasting to mm-hmm. um, connect with other podcasters. So it feels great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. I'm, I'm glad to have you. So yours is a very specific um, field of study, specifically the war on drugs. And this is I noticed that in some of your descriptors, um, you talk about the the global impact of the war mm-hmm. on drugs, um, but it, it centralizes on the United States of America's mm-hmm. right point, right? And so, yeah. Tell me just a brief little bit about what you're studying, please. Yeah, definitely. And to sort of key in on that idea of a global war on drugs, you know, there's extensive conversations about how the war on drugs has failed, um, especially the war on drugs as fought by the United States, um, both, you know, sort of like at home, like our, uh, on our own soil and abroad. Um, but I think that what prompted me and my research as as well as to translate it into a podcast season is we so often miss out on the international dimension mm-hmm. of the conflict of the concept of like the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that we will not be able to end the war on drugs until we sort of contend with, with um, what's happening at the global level. And I say this because um, while the United States was, absolutely the one that was sort of putting up the economic and military resources behind, um, you know, the sort of creation of like a global mm-hmm. structure to prosecute sort of um, arbitrarily deemed illicit substances. Cause it's, it's really not about the substances. It's more about who is employing the substances. Cause right. it's fine if, you know, um, European or American scientists are studying them or creating them for medicinal purposes, but it's way less fine if, you know, sort of, um, uh, they're being used as like a traditional, you know, um, like a traditional tribe in Afghanistan or in Peru is using them for sort of medicinal purposes or to just make a living, um, Mm. in, in areas that are just historically impoverished. But I think we have to think about like why these other nations we're so ready and willing to buy into a U.S. war on drugs. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not that the U.S. I mean, there's definitely some coercion in the story, but for a lot of these, it's it's not that. It's they're totally willing, and it's often because funding through the war on drugs, and also sort of the idea of of drugs as an enemy, as of drug traffickers as an enemy, makes it really easy for other countries to 
gain additional sort of allies and resources to confront um, sort of like pol- existing political and economic conflicts yeah. within their own borders. So the season, uh, which I'm still trying to come up with a name for, uh, mm. but season two will be on the global war on drugs. And we start in the United States, but then we move back to the opium wars between China and England. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 19th century, we move to colonial Mexico. We'll mm. talk about um, Turkey in the mid 20th century, um, sort of just all these different laboratories is a word that one of my guests used to talk and describe about them. But mm. we'll talk about these areas where, you know, a, a sort of global war on drugs was built, not just by the United States, but by these these other sort of partners in crime, if you will, yeah. that, that had their own motivations and reasons for doing so. Mm-hmm. And just as we think... You know, just as I think that, like, the United States is really responsible for, like, confronting the just path of destruction, it's it's unleashed on so many yeah. um, minority communities in our own country. I similarly think that we are on the hook for, mm-hmm. for what's happening internationally as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, my biggest fear is that, you know, we'll decriminalize marijuana. And then maybe, maybe like 25 years down the line, we'll like legalize all drugs. Okay. But then at the international level, you know, like these ideas and this apparatus will still exist so mm. that third world countries aren't seeing the profits, the money that right. come from like the creation of like the raw materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that the sort of logic of drugs as like an enemy will continue being used to just justify horrific action against against um communities that can't advocate for themselves like what we see in the philippines right uh, so yeah i'm the goal is just to kind of like i think just like take the convert expand the conversation just outwards a little more um yeah. so that we're really contending with with our actions because i think that <laughs> sorry i like keep talking okay. i think that um americans <laughs> the united states tends to like view itself in a vacuum like even though we really like to talk about how we're like the greatest in the world and we do all these things when it comes to like contending with all the damage we've done Mm -hmm. we really like to view ourselves in a vacuum yeah um, and just think about like how do we fix things for us instead of like thinking about like um being accountable to like the effects the way we've like impacted the larger international community yeah i mean it's it's like one of our clothing stores is called banana republic Right. Precisely. That, Precisely. That's that's one yeah. of, one of the that's how how oblivious yeah. we are to our global yeah. impact and the the negative impact that we have had. Mm-hmm. We're just we or just buy like, clothes from, from my parents are in Hawaii right now, um, mm. which like good for them. They've raised they're raising five wonderful children, you mm. know, and I think that they deserve the break. But they're sightseeing, and they like sent a picture of like one of the earliest like Christian missionary churches that was established Mm. on Maui. And I mean, old stuff is inherently cool, but also when you're a historian, I feel like, and also as a historian who um, is really drawn to history because it um, really informs um, my politics. And I really tend, Mm. I do tend to view the word world in a political way, which is like not a bad thing. I don't think. But I just can't look at photos like that without thinking about 
all the damage that resulted yeah. <laughs> from the establishment of that oh, yeah. one little building, which now is like a quaint historical landmark, yeah. but, you know, really is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the, um, one of the things that I think is interesting, like the way that you're, you're bringing up the, the, the impact about, um, m- like, I want to say in like non-white countries, uh, mm-hmm. dealing with drugs is, uh, the war on drugs was initially started as to, to suppress a people group. Right. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily like, Hey, drugs are bad. It's like, Hey, these people are bad. How can mm-hmm. we suppress them? I know we're going to like vilify mm-hmm. their drug use. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, the, the vilification of peoples that use different types of drugs, I think is the heart of the, mm-hmm. the war on drugs, you know? Yes. And so, Absolutely. Like, and then, like how it, it evolved into this, the, the easiest way to suppress your political enemies, right, mm-hmm. is to associate them with these, you know, villainous, mm-hmm. you know, different types of drugs. And so it, mm-hmm. people feel comfortable with the, the destruction of people groups if they are mm-hmm. associated with the evils, you know, mm-hmm. that, they ha- that, that have been established and like, oh, well, they're associated with drugs so they can all die and their families can die and that's okay. And mm-hmm. we'll just take their land. Yeah. And because they chose to do this. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. We have um, one of my guests. So like all um, the, the podcast is a narrative style mm-hmm. um, over six episodes and it features myself, of course, but I interview, um, I think I interviewed 10 um, drug history experts, each with kind of like their own different emphasis. Mm-hmm. But one of them, uh, Dr. Alexandria Vigna, um, he said just like he said it perfectly. And he said, um, like, I'm paraphrasing, but he said the war on drugs is a war on people, a yeah. war on poor people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a theme that that comes up like over and over again. And I'm yeah. really glad that we're sort of I'm glad that that's becoming like a more common understanding especially too because like it's so interesting when you look at it like historically mm-hmm. like especially if you consider like drugs before the 1960s like it's a lot easier to see yeah you know people saying like oh like this drug is bad because like the chinese immigrants are using it or like the mexicans are using yeah. it um but of course after you know sort of like the civil rights movement and then mm-hmm. we get sort of the conservative realignment in the 70s um, language becomes a lot more cloaked yeah. and intentional. Yeah. Um, and we sort of start really seeing the, I, su- I suppose, like almost like the collapsing of like these categories all into like one, like mm-hmm. drug trafficker or like right. terrorist yeah. or like communist, yeah. you know? So, so yeah. I think, I think when the generation that worships at the feet of Ronald Reagan finally dies off, that <laughs> that's when the, the perception of the war on drugs is going to uh-huh. radically change. Yeah. Right. His impact yeah. on the war on drugs is pretty massive. And the, the, it blows my mind how many like boomers are so madly in love with him. Mm-hmm. Even though statistically he didn't do what they think he did. Yeah. Like, especially financially, because that's one of the ways that he's heralded as heralded as his heroes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, Reaganomics, it, it did so much for us. I mean, no, it didn't. But because they yeah. worship at the feet of Ronald Reagan, like when when they all die off, then finally we can move on and really address <laughs> some of the issues. 
because I mean, man. yeah, I mean, it's, but I feel like too, I mean, being a graduate student at the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. um, and just like seeing, you know, the, the business school undergraduates running around and they're like Reagan Bush 84, like t-shirts. And Ugh, it's just like, gross. I, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard to know because like if your goal in life is to get rich, mm-hmm. which is the goal for a lot of people mm-hmm. <laughs> in America, you know, like Reagan is totally the dude because he's right. the one who made it possible to get obscenely, disgustingly rich, mm-hmm. um, in, in our country and arguably in the world. Um, so I don't, I don't know what the solution is because on one, on, on one hand, as I think the past year has shown, um, I think actually a lot of people really are aware of the history mm-hmm. and I don't want to say that they don't care, <laughs> but I think I've seen on Twitter, a couple of people tweet out like America has an empathy problem. Um, oh, and it sure. is just kind of like. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Except that I think that people actually are are pretty familiar with the history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and they're pretty aware of, of, you know, the way that our country is set up. I think the, the, the idea of um, Americans having an empathy problem is we have this identity crisis happening. Mm-hmm. This rugged individualism. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Right. And it's a great way to, that's such a great way to summarize it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's so broken because Mm -hmm. like everything that if we're truly like uh, trying to be this Christian nation, like Mm -hmm. modeled after the Jesus of the, the Bible, uh, none of the, the, the things that we value as a society uh, Mm -hmm. should we be valuing. Right. The the whole, you know, give everything away that was like Jesus and, you know, get rid of all mm-hmm. of your riches and help the poor and the widows and all this jazz. But mm-hmm. this is America, the land of screw you all. I will get mine. Yeah. You know? so. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, like I, I really only focus on the 20th century. So, like, I don't I, I don't know as much about colonial America and how that sort of understanding coalesce but Mm -hmm. it is just a very yeah i mean (laughs) a very specific take on christianity (laughs) and on white christianity and how it ranks people in the world yep Mm -hmm. that being said everybody listen to the podcast it is called prologued with an exclamation point look it up um but let's transition now into you. Hit us with that moment in your life, that decision that you made that you can see the impacts of. Let's talk a little bit about your history, Brianna, please. Yeah, so the like specific moment is, I suppose, me stepping on a plane at the Fresno Air Terminal in California, whose abbreviation is a for, is unfortunately F-A-T, fat, <laughs> um, to come to Columbus, Ohio to um, start my graduate studies mm. at the Ohio State University in history. Um, I'm going on five years here in Columbus, and I um, sometimes when I look back on 22-year-old Brianna in August, that would have been, I think, 2016, um, 
I just, I'm so excited for her. And also she's almost like unrecognizable oh, wow. in some ways. Yeah. What, what is the most glaring thing that is unrecognizable about her? She is so concerned with validating who she is through achievement and often academic achievement. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't really, she's curious about like other things and hobbies and things besides like reading and like studying. But, um, and she's perhaps kind of like, dipped her toes into the water of like some of those hobbies but she hasn't actually like pursued any of them yet and she doesn't really know how to like try something new that like isn't already her thing wow or like it doesn't mesh with the way that like people think about her okay yeah so what's what is a hobby that you have picked up since then in in learning how to like have your own hobbies Mm-hmm. Um, what what yeah. is what is one of the hobbies that you picked up so a great one to kind of like think about that you can see sort of the continuity through mm-hmm. I am an avid swing dancer um I, I love to dance um I, I do um Lindy Hop um St. Louis Shag Charleston of course that's all been on hold for the past year and a half because of COVID Ooh, was one of that? the first things to go what's and it, it'll be one of the last things Never to come back for right. good reason. Yeah. Um, but I turned, I took my first swing dancing class in college. It was like an elective that I took with a good friend of mine. And um, we eventually found this sort of like other social group um, like in Fresno that did lessons um, and such, but I was like too scared and self-conscious to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hmm. so I like got on. Yeah. So like, I knew that I loved it and I knew that I loved the music, but I was just like too in my head to be able to go to this social group and like meet people mm-hmm. and be okay with being bad at something before I could be good at something. Right. So when I came to Columbus, I mean, when you move across, across the country, of course, it's a big adjustment especially Mm -hmm. when you're moving to where you essentially don't really even like know anyone most of my family is in california um which is approximately 2500 miles away from ohio oh snap um but after about a year i i was like i need friends outside of the history department yeah and so i googled I Googled swing dance, swing dance groups, and I found an amazing, amazing group here in Columbus. And um, I started going, and it was really scary because I have intense social anxiety. Okay. Um, and I'm, I wasn't good at dancing yet. <laughs> okay. I had, I, I, um, I sort of like pick up on, on, I pick up on things quickly, but like I was just bad, <laughs> you know, and. I would not have kept going and stuck with it were it not for the people who were much better than me, who danced with me and Mm. would say, you know, thank you and would be like, you know, and I'd be like apologizing throughout the entire dance for just like my missteps and like throwing people (laughs) off. And they were like, it's okay. Like, I remember when I was you, like, I remember when I was at where you are. Um, But that, that um, Swing Columbus is, is the name of the group really became sort of a bedrock. Okay. of um, my community 
in here in Columbus. Um, and I love it. I miss it so much, but I got to the point before the pandemic hit where I was going to events, um, outside of the city, just sort of like sort of dance exchanges where there's just like tons of new dancers to, to meet, um, and lessons all day. And it's just this like really beautiful community. And now one of my favorite things to do when I'm visiting, um, Mm -hmm. A different city, um, whether it be for research or just like travel or whatever, is I find the local swing dance scene and I go for a night, and it's just like such a great way to meet people. Nice. Um, and <laughs> before I came out here, you know, I never would have imagined being able to do that. But I suppose being in a place where you don't really know people mm-hmm. um, and you have to like find your own community, I think really pushed me to do that in a way that, you know, if I had like stayed in Fresno wouldn't be the case. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah. Um, I hope it comes back. I really hope I like the end of the fall it comes back. And, um, it's also, I'm so glad that I found this community, uh, because it's actually where I, I met my partner now, <laughs> um, who is just the love of my life and a wonderful person. But Aww. he, um, he started going, I don't know. I had been going for like two years and then he was, um, he stumbled upon it. Um, and he came up and talked to me one night and that was that. Uh-huh. Easy peasy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Fun. Fun. Okay. So let's, let's unpack a little bit of who you were. And so this is 2016, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like fall or summer of 2016. This is like just before the school this year. This would be like summer. Yeah. Okay. I moved at the beginning of August. Okay. So tw- uh, summer of 2016. Um, what, what is family life like? I, you mentioned your parents are rearing five children. Uh, are they yeah. s- like currently rearing five children with you off in college or are you one of the five? Well, okay. So it's complicated, <laughs> but let me walk you through. But understanding my family is absolutely essential to understanding me and my life's trajectory. Excellent. Um, so I'm the oldest of five okay. and I'm in a blended family. Um, so my mom is Denise and my stepfather is John and um I I'm 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 the oldest at 27. Um my sister mm-hmm. um Kayla, she is going on 19. Okay. My brother Julian, he is going on 18 and we are the full siblings, the three of us, we're the Mendoza kids. Okay. And then my stepsister is 13. Okay. Um and then my littlest brother, Will, my half-brother, he is seven and a half. Um, so there is like a crazy age spread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, my father, Mike, he lives with his girlfriend in town. But my whole family is in Fresno. Um, my, my, we live not even five minutes from my mom's parents, my grandparents. Okay. And then my dad's parents, my nanny and papa, are just seven minutes down the road. Um, and then, um, I mean, I have, I have, uh, I think there's 10 first cousins now on my dad's side, um, five sets of aunts and uncles. And then I mean, (laughs) my parents had me pretty young as you can guess from, um, sort of the age spread between my siblings and I, but I actually grew up with, I think, how many great grandparents does a person have? I grew up with six out of eight great grandparents. Wow. For a lot of my life. Yeah. So I'm 
I'm really lucky wow. and my family is is was and is like very important to my life and it is um in a normal year I go home two to three times a year um just to see everyone um so yeah so that's like the basics of the family what else would you like to know <laughs> no I mean that's <clears throat> so at the time you are uh 22 <laughs> then mm -hmm. like you're your sister and brother are 13 and 12, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so good to know. Good to know. And then so you grew up in Fresno. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I went to college in Fresno. Fresno State? Mm-hmm. Okay. Having known your great-grandparents, that many of them, which um, I'm super jealous of, um, how close... How close was your, your nuclear family? Were you guys super close? Yeah, I mean, we're really close. Um, yeah, it's just, um, there's so many of us. Mm -hmm. So really, to choose one word uh, to define it is chaos. Um, <laughs> but it's chaos with that. a lot of love. Chaos okay. and love, for sure. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, one of the weird things, of course, about being the oldest and the oldest by, you know, eight years at least and up to 20 years um, mm -hmm. is you sort of, <laughs> you're not just like the big sister, but you're also in some ways like another parent. Right. Um, so yeah. um, at this time, I was sort of still probably in like the more of like a parent role um, okay. with my siblings, especially since like I, they were just starting to become little people on their own. I was just starting yeah. to like, there were just starting to be things that like we actually had in common with each other. And then we could mm -hmm. actually like talk about, but like I said, there's, there's a lot of love there. Good. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm into it. I'm into mm -hmm. it. All right. Uh, were you living at home or were you living on campus? Oh, no, yeah. I lived in the dorms all four okay. years on campus. Yeah. So okay. actually, um, they, um, I think when I was a sophomore in college, they moved houses. Um, so I like didn't have a room. <laughs> I didn't even mm -hmm. have like, like, I think I was sharing a room with Sydney. Um, so like when I was there, I would sleep in Sydney's room and Sydney would like gotcha. sleep somewhere else. Um, gotcha, but I okay. didn't really have like a super established home base. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, were you working at the time in 2016? So like before yes, you, um... I was, yeah, okay. I was working as a tutor, um, as a tutor. Yeah. I was tutoring high school students in a variety of things, but history, Spanish, English, um, math through algebra one. Um, and mm -hmm. I had just, I had switched to that job from a job selling shoes at Macy's, um, <laughs> which was miserable. So I was very grateful for the tutoring job. Okay. Okay. Uh, was, uh, do you guys speak Spanish at home? No. Um, no, no, we don't No, my, um, my mom is the white parent. She's Italian and like Irish. Um, my okay. dad, my dad's side of the family is the Mexican side of the family, but, um, uh, we didn't, they don't really speak Spanish. My Nana and her sisters do. 
And mm-hmm. my papa is from Mexico City, but um, he's really the only most recent um, immigrant. My nana's family has been here for, for a couple of generations. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let me... Alrighty. Um, what what kind of music were you into in 2016? Oh my gosh. What, what were some of your jams? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Well, <clears throat> let me just say that music is a massive part of my life. Um, I love live music so okay. much. And I love a ton of different types of music. But let's see. In 2016... I would say that like 2016 was probably like my indie music awakening. Okay. Indie music <laughs> um, awakening. That's good to know. Yeah. Indie music awakening. Like it was the first time did I, let's see, I like encountered and it's so embarrassing to admit, but like the, so much of my like music taste has been, I found a lot in the music that I like through like guys that I've dated. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and, and girls that I've dated now I'm, I'm bisexual. Okay. Um, but so yeah, like I, let's see, I encountered like FKA twigs for the first time that summer and Grimes and I was definitely probably still really into Dermot Kennedy. Um, before then I'd been into a lot of like, folk, like sort of like folk pop music. Um, okay. although Mumford and Sons is still one of my favorite, um, I went through an Andrew Jackson Jihad AJJ phase because of the guy I was dating. Um, but I also like, I know that I loved pop music, so I'm sure mm. I was listening to like a ton of Taylor Swift still. Okay. Um, and probably a lot of Lord. Um, yeah. And then also I'm a big pop punk fan. So definitely some Blink-182. Yeah, totally. I mean, <sighs> If there's any like diehard Blink 182 fans, they'll skewer me for saying this, but like <laughs> they had their like um, one of their newer albums come out that summer. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it's like it was like the first album that didn't have all the original members. Okay. Um, and that was a big, I was super into that album. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but um, I. I don't know if this is like a Fresno specific thing or Mm -hmm. if it's like a California specific thing, but you just spend a ton of time driving. And so music is like, I just feel like music and driving go hand in hand, like when I'm in Fresno and just like in California in general. So I was definitely listening to like moody late night. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I I recently got turned on to this dude on, um, YouTube. His name is Alex Melton. And mm-hmm. he does like music covers if mm-hmm. pop punk had written the song. So he did like um, a oh Tom my God, Petty I song. I totally know who you're talking about. Yeah, he did this Tom Petty song. He did a couple mm-hmm. Billie Eilish. Th- and I love it. I didn't, I didn't realize how much I loved pop punk until oh I listened God, to his amazing. song. I was like, okay, I love all yeah. of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And there's like, I feel like right now, actually, there's kind of a bit of like a, like a new like new wave pop punk like sort of a younger generation mm-hmm. coming up so there's like some really great stuff happening yeah. right now anyways nice yeah awesome okay um how's about um what was your typical routine like mm. at that time yeah that's a hard question because um my routine is defined by a lack of routine okay but I think that um, 
that summer was definitely very defined by I think just like getting ready for the move. Okay. Um, cause I like had committed to Ohio state in the spring. So okay. I knew I was going. Um, so it was a lot of just like getting ready for that. Okay. So if, if the decision is actually getting on the plane, had you considered not from the, from the time that you had committed in the spring until that point? I don't know if I like seriously considered it. Okay. But I, I think I was definitely thinking through a lot of like, is it worth it? Okay. And I was dealing with a lot of like guilt about leaving my family. Huh. And that was like really consuming at times. Um, wow. Yeah. Did you tell me about the guilt? Did you feel like, um, you had a responsibility to stay home and help take care of your siblings or what was some of the yeah. guilt? Did you just feel like you're going to miss them too much? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's definitely always centered around my siblings. Um, I, yeah, I, I just, they were still, you know, like becoming little people. Mm. you know like high school is a big time and uh, I feel like I was gonna miss a lot of it and I definitely just like wanted to be there yeah I don't know like it's just there's something really sad about like missing people growing up (laughs) yeah which is um yeah I just really I didn't like any time like like my sister is super into theater and acting. So if she had like a play that I couldn't make, you know, like that sucked or like my brother and his sports games or his different um, Cub Scout events. And, Mm. you know, my little brother who would have been, I think two when I left, um, you know, like literally is becoming like a little person, like kids grow so fast at that age. So just like not getting to like see his little personality develop and like being really scared that he would like forget who I was, um, you know, um, yeah, there's just like, there was definitely like some grief that I was going to miss that. And there still is like every time I go back, everyone's so different. Yeah. Right. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Yeah. Okay. So then if you if you gave into this guilt um, and you decided mm-hmm. to stay, what do you think you would have done if you decided not to go to mm-hmm. the Ohio state and you stayed yeah, in, in Fresno? What, what would you have done? Yeah. I think I probably still would have pursued a graduate degree. Like I probably would have tried to get a master's degree um, at Fresno state. Okay. Um, and taken on a lot of debt in the process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's, I probably would have gotten an apartment. I probably would have lived like within 10 minutes of my family. Okay. Um, yeah. I imagine I would have gone, gone on working at the tutoring business or working as a tutor during grad school. Okay. Um, yeah. I probably would have also considered maybe getting a credential um, just to like teach when I finished up. 
but I probably w- would have continued just like the the easy thing mm-hmm. for someone with social anxiety. The easiest thing is to have a big family because you can just hide in your relationships with your family. Yeah, you know your family is your friends, right? And your friends are your family. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to imagine. All right. So then, um, assuming that you're with your mind on going to Ohio State. What was your projection? What did you think or what, what were you planning for your life in the future? Mm-hmm. Practically, these are the things you're practically working on. You know, you have the steps laid out. Okay, this is what I'm working toward. This is what I'm going to do. What, were, what was your projection for yourself at the time? <laughs> That's such a good question. Um, and I would say it's kind of a complicated answer because I actually would say that a, a huge reason that I went to grad school or like chose to go to grad school mm-hmm. was because I was a high achiever that didn't know what she wanted to do with her life. <laughs> and grad huh. school was like an easy option. Okay. Um, or like grad school was what a lot of people in my program in college were doing. I was in this like honors college surrounded by other high achievers. Gotcha. Um, so it was like an easy way to kind of like escape <laughs> those sort of larger, deeper questions about what did I want my life to look like. Um, but I do know that I loved the idea of getting out of Fresno. Okay. Even with all, even with all the guilt and like the fear mm-hmm. and like, I, 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 I do know that I really liked the idea of moving out of Fresno, but with grad school on the horizon, I, you know, I, I think I really thought, um, at that time, I really thought that I would maybe make a go for teaching, like at a college. Okay. Um, but I also was really interested at the idea of working for maybe like the State Department or for the government in some capacity. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so now that we know what you might have, like what what a project a potential projection that you might have had, um. Did you have any hopes and dreams? Hmm. I think that um, I've always just really wanted to, like, find my person. So I think moving out there, and I remember my Nana said, you're going to move out there, and you'll probably find the person that you love, Hmm. and you won't come back. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, because you, you... and I mean, it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I um. mean, like, it's just it, people tend to be based out. I mean, for the most part, like when you're this far away from home, mm-hmm. you know, the people that you meet tend to be from a lot closer to Ohio than, you know, closer yeah. to California. Yeah. Um, but I, I think actually like one of the things I really wanted to was like fall in love and not just fall in love, but like find like my person like I think at that time I thought I was like ready for that and that was something that I was expecting okay yeah okay Um, and then mm -hmm. so you met your partner there in in I did meet my partner here but it took a lot longer than I thought (laughs) um yeah I I met my partner in um November no yeah November 2019 okay November 2019 Mm -hmm. Okay. But when I moved out here, um, 
I did start dating like almost immediately. I love dating. It's so much fun. Okay. Um, and I did meet someone who I thought was the one. Um, and long story short, he was not. (laughs) And I think that that experience really, um, showed me like how much, Mm -hmm. like I didn't know about myself and the world and like people. And then, like, after that, I was like, oh, there's a lot I'm not ready for and a lot, like, I just don't know about myself yet. Yoinks. Okay. Um, but that was definitely one of the big, the big were you, things. Were you dating anyone in 2016? Um, not actively. There okay. was someone that I was dating in Fresno, mm-hmm. but we agreed that it would kind of, like, be over when I, like, left. Gotcha. So. Okay. We did have a very dramatic, like, saying goodbye at the airport. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so this person, were you, like, were you kind of gutted that you were moving away? Or had you already decided, you know, I'm going to be living over there. I'm going to cut ties emotionally with this to prepare myself. Uh, or were you, yeah. like, BB, no, I don't want to go. Was it anything like that? I... I think I definitely knew that this person like wasn't the person for me, but oh. also like was sad that I was leaving this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was, it was a bit of each. Okay. Um, yeah. I didn't really, when I think back on it, like I don't think I really envisioned like a long term. Okay. So this, like, per- relationship this person with wasn't, this person. yeah, this person wasn't the future. <laughs> no. But in, in like the short term, I had just like worked so hard for his like affection and like mm. commitment, you oh, know, no. that I was like really like in a way loath to get that, to like have to give that up. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all the work you had put in, you're lamenting yes. like, I'm waste- I wasted all this time doing all this yeah. work. Okay. I gotcha. But it wasn't because like you were so deeply in love with deeply in love. him that you're um, like, I can't live my life. No. Okay. I mean, it was probably like yeah I was probably like in love but not like the it's like the like the infatuation love you know sure. like not like the sort of like committed like right. okay partnership love yeah okay all right do you do you have any quirks about you I I mean I get an immense amount of joy even as a 27 year old out of blowing bubbles oh <laughs> really bubbles. okay yeah yeah I don't do it super consistently but sometimes I'm like, um, when I remember I'll buy like a little thing of bubbles to like keep in my car or like in my purse. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you do it as like a de-stressor or anything like that? Or do you just um, feel like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just like a lovely little way to like pass the time. That's not like being on, on your phone. And also like other people fucking love bubbles. Like <laughs> who doesn't get really excited when there's a bubble that's, that you can chase. So like that's true. sometimes I just like, I have been that person who like sees bubbles and this is awesome. And I also love being that person for other people. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That's such a, like a manic pixie dream girl thing, <laughs> but I love it. I don't know. It's really <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, okay. I think, I think we have a lot of good, I think I have a lot of good information to be able to craft okay a lovely story for you. So I think at this point in the show, we're going to take a quick break. We'll listen to a little bit of music. And when we come back, we'll hear the story I will have written for Brianna called other Brianna. Please stick around.
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that brief musical break. Again, my guest today is Brianna Mendoza. Um, we're going to take a quick moment and we're going to listen to the teaser for season two of Prologued. Uh, tell us a brief bit about what we're going to hear, please. Um, yeah, so you're essentially going to hear first what we already know about the war on drugs, which is it has failed. Mm-hmm. But then we'll also hear this idea, this really interesting idea that we have to think about the war on drugs or what I prefer to refer to as the global drug wars and sort of this larger international context to really be able to fully reckon with um, the structure of the war on drugs and and to really be able to fully engage with like how, how do we end it? How do we bring it down? Because action in the United States isn't enough. We also have to think about sort of the, the global dimension and all the other countries involved. Right on. All right, here. Listen to the teaser for Prologued. I'm trying to think of another international policy that's failed for as long and seriously as drugs that has continued to thrive. To sum up the drug wars in one sentence, I would say they go on and on and on. The drugs have won. On this season of Prologued. It's also important to recognize that the war on drugs has not just been a creation of the United States. The war on drugs is perhaps one of the most infamous political and cultural symbols of the 20th century. Its origins are not simply in racism or in imperialism. But what if I told you that Just Say No, Red Ribbon Week, even the declaration of war against drugs was the end of the story, not the beginning? But rather, its, its development it was a very complex process that occurred on a global scale, really. Um, and involved many different countries, and it, but involved certain discourses and ideas about drugs that were really shared across many countries. And to simplify it to kind of demonizing the United States or demonizing uh, uh, you know, certain actors, I think misses the complexity of the story. From Origins, Current Events and Historical Perspective, Prologued Season 2, reevaluates what we think we know about the war on drugs. When and where did it really begin? Why has it persisted? And perhaps most importantly, will we ever be able to quit? I'm Brianna Mendoza. Join me as I uncover how the centuries-long history of global drug prohibition prologues today's discussions of drug use, abuse, and legalization. Prologued Season 2 is coming August 2021. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Listen to Prologues when it goes live, hopefully by the end of August. If not, just keep your keep your eyes peeled. You can follow her on Twitter at Brianna, B-R-I-O-N-N-A underscore Mendoza. You can also follow the podcast at Prologued Pod on Twitter. Otherwise, if you'd like to follow Origins, you can follow that on Instagram, Twitter, or their like um, their Facebook like page at Origins OSU. But now the story. Are you ready for your story? I am. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm also a little scared because I do feel like I'm going to encounter a very like true version of myself or very oh. like 
possible like true version of myself so Uh-oh. i'm interested to hear all right <laughs> here we go this is the story of other brianna why are you being dropped off here other brianna inquires through squinted eyes she investigates her boyfriend Scanning him from his feet to his head, she notices he's begun sweating. Despite the weather being typical for February in Fresno, California, chilly with a touch of wind and slow-passing clouds. The two spent most of their days during February coping with the weight of other Brianna's studies by wrapping themselves in blankets and watching the clouds slowly traverse the endless skies. We have, we have to. Well, I wanted you to see this lovely... He's, he's cute, right? Her boyfriend points at the mural on the wall of Panaderia and Natalie. The small mustached man, eagerly inviting passers, poses next to a cornucopia of dulces. I guess. But what are we doing here, babe? It's Valentine's Day. I don't really want pan dulce today. Besides, is this place even open? It's almost 8 o'clock. What are we doing here? Other Brianna crosses her arms, leaning back expectantly. Her boyfriend apes her stance and crosses his arms. He leans in and speaks softly. Why can't you just trust me? How long have we been together? I've let you down, sure, but you've let me down too. That's what people do, right? They let each other down, and sometimes they don't. Trust me, today's a day I do not let you down. Can, can you hear that? Listen closely. Other Brianna closes her eyes, and her ears twitch, searching for anything recognizable. The street is quiet, save for the soft chime of the bell signaling the Baladilla's workers. Whispered chatter from passersby making their way down Maroa Avenue, away from East Olive. She counts the footsteps of strangers as she tries to build a picture in her mind. It sounds normal. Can, can you hear the music, he asks, biting his lip to contain his excitement. No, I just hear the door and people walking. Defeated, he relents. There's a concert venue just down the street. Strummers. We talked about coming down to catch a show. Figured today would be perfect. There's this <laughs> band you mentioned, Shark Muffin. I was thinking we could go uh, see them. They play tonight. Come, walk with me. He extends a hand and wears a partial smile. His solid white sneakers seem to cast a light on him from the ground up. He glows. Other Brianna glares at him through suspicious eyes, her arms still crossed. She moves her head around to try and catch any sounds that remind her of live music. Nothing. Squeaky brakes sing from the wheel wells of cars slowly making their turn onto Dollar Tree parking lot. She breathes in deeply and holds it a moment. Exhaling, she drops her shoulders in disappointment. You know... I go out of my way on special days for us. I buy you things you like. This is this is like a dollar store scavenger hunt. I'm and I'm not saying that because I'm staring at this Dollar Tree right here in front of my face. I don't I don't know why I'm even annoyed. We haven't been together for that long. I was hoping for a card or something. I thought you forgot it was Valentine's Day. I did. The sound of his words ring loudly in other Brianna's ears. Well, at least you're honest. Just take me to Strummers, okay? He drops his head and watches her feet as she turns and heads down Olive, away from Panaderia and Natalie. He reaches out and takes her hand, guiding her, right, uh, guiding her the right way. His mouth is dry and his lips are chapped. They crack almost audibly as he licks them as he fumbles an apology. Just leave it, okay? This is going to sound harsh, but you know what? I'm going to go to the Ohio State University. Yeah, I was considering staying, but I think it would be good for me to leave. He stops in his tracks. Mother Brianna confidently clacks her heels against the sidewalk. Her sidewalk. Her arms swing with grace and an air of authority. Smitten, her boyfriend calls out. His voice cracks as if a 13-year-old boy experiencing puberty puberty took over his body. Wait, you can't leave Fresno. And why is that? She continues to strut down her sidewalk. She cocks her head as her ears catch the rumbling of high tides by the opening act. Judah, her pace quickens. 
Why? Well, because I'm pregnant. Furious, so that Brianna stops in her tracks and turns to face her boyfriend. She balls her fists and rushes him. Taking hold of his shirt, she yanks him close and nearly lifts him off the ground with one hand. What the fuck did you just say? The air is quiet. Time seems to have frozen. The sounds of life throughout the nearby area have paused. Even the sound of her breathing escapes her ears. She is alive in this moment, but she is all alone. She notices a bead of sweat paused as it raced down his cheek. It sits patiently, reflecting a flicker of the light of the streetlights shining down overhead. She too is frozen. Her eyes are alive and dart in every direction, trying to make sense of this moment. As quickly as it came upon her, it left. Sheepishly, he repeats under his breath, I'm, I'm pregnant. You can't be pregnant, you idiots. I know, but it worked for my mom, and I'm not ready for you to leave yet, so I thought I might give it a try. Ew. Other Brianna shrieks in disgust. She loosens her grip, but before she lets go completely, she gives him a gentle shove. You can't say things like that. It's not right. First off, you don't even have a uterus. And secondly, the kind of manipulation you would be doing if you did have one, yuck. I want to go home. I understand. Let's, let's just walk over there and get an Uber from there. Confused and frustrated, other Brianna motions for him to take the lead. He shuffles past her with his chin buried in his chest and a frown on his face. She watches him walk for a moment and shakes her head in disapproval. She ambles behind him. The confidence in her step is gone. She wipes her sweaty palms on her blue jeans, and then she buries her hands in the pockets of her crop jacket. Her feet are quiet as she stalks behind him, foregoing the confident clacking from moments ago. The two turn down the corner, and Chartreuse by Shark Muffin plays on the speakers inside the small venue. The outer walls vibrate, and the sounds of the band scream out onto the street with every opening of the door as people make their way in. Other Brianna walks across the street and watches people enter for a million years. The days change, but the sun hides its face. She stands in darkness as she hands, um, as the hands on her watch spin furiously day in and day out. What are we doing here? Take him home, she orders, her eyes never deviating from the opening of the small concert venue. Okay, I just, just wanted to do something you liked before you left and try to convince you to stay. She drops her eyes a moment and turns slowly to catch his. Seeing the hopelessness in his eyes gives her pause. She thinks, maybe I could wait a year. I mean, aloud, she continues, you tried, I guess. <sighs> Do better. Some time passes. Other Brianna descends the creaky staircase leading to the kitchen of her childhood home. She looks at the table and finds her mother and grandmother enjoying a cup of coffee. The birds scream their songs in the bushes outside the window, begging for their breakfast. Her grandmother had made it a habit of spreading crumbs on the grass in front of the bushes just outside the kitchen window, closest to the table, and the birds had gotten fat on her offerings. Hey, babe, you want some coffee? Other Brianna's mother smiles warmly and scrunches her nose at her sleepy-eyed daughter. I'm okay, thanks. Good morning, Granny. Granny, Granny, Bobanny, Banana, Fana, Fofanny. She's interrupted with a hearty giggle. Her grandmother laughs loudly and turns sharply from her gaze at the eager birds and catches eyes with other Brianna. Don't you talk about my booty? The three erupt in laughter. Mom, my boyfriend Derek took me to some concert venue on Valentine's Day, and when I told him I had decided I was leaving for Ohio in the fall, he told me he was pregnant. How stupid is that? I thought you just decided on that, her mother responds in confusion. Well, yeah, I decided the other day. Why? On Valentine's Day, you went out with Derek? Yeah, I, I just said that. Last year? No, this year, yesterday. Her mother reaches out and motions for other Brianna to take her hand. She quickly obliges. Baby, Valentine's Day is Sunday. Today's Friday. You know your grandmother and I have coffee and feed the birds on the weekends, but not on Mondays. Other Brianna freezes and stares at her mother, whose confusion has turned to concern. 
Maybe it was a bad dream. Are you pregnant? Her grandmother shouts, no. She quickly responds, good. But if you're having dreams like this, maybe you should put off leaving. Maybe take a year. Stick around. Have a few more breakfasts with your granny's fanny. Ha <laughs> grandma, ew. You were the one talking about my butt. She winks at her granddaughter and returns to her regularly scheduled programming. Hungry birds flitting about a small bush outside her window. Other Brianna lets the smile on her face sit there for a few moments longer. She steps closer to her mother, still holding her hand, and kisses her forehead. She pulls away slowly and heads back up the stairs to her bedroom. The end. This is the most Fresno shit ever. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> I am deeply, deeply impressed. Oh, good. <laughs> oh. I'm, glad. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Especially because truly, um, you know, I mean, um, the summer or like the couple of months before I was leaving that summer, I didn't go to a strummer, a show at strummers with the guy that I was dating. And it was just like, it's very funny. Oh, um, nice. it's, it's just it's so funny. And, um, just like some of the details that I can totally see echoing, like, um, my grandfather loves to leave like food out for the squirrels. Oh, really? It's so funny. <laughs> so that he and my grandma can walk. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. Yeah, you totally nailed Fresno. So, like, <laughs> on the head. Yes. I'm impressed. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Oh, that's so great. Have you ever been to that? Um, the Dollar bakery? Tree scavenger hunt? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's nothing else. There's nothing really to do in Fresno. Like, there's not a ton to do mm-hmm. unless you're, like, old enough to get into strummers or something mm-hmm. like that. So, honestly, like, when you're in high school, you go and wander around. Like mm. the shopping malls and the strip malls and the Dollar Tree. <laughs> Anyways, that's great. That's great. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad. I spent a lot of time looking at the the Street View version of Fresno, and I was like, it must have been a time of year where everything was dying, like all the greenery was dying. I was like, oh, this is so sad. There's, it's dead. Why oh is everything God, dead? It's literally all times of the year. And that's because mm. Fresno is, I mean, the Central Valley in California, it's technically a desert that mm. we, through um, ecological engineering, have transformed um, oh. through irrigation into farmland. But we in, <laughs> we are super dedicated to planting plants that cannot survive there, like mm. trees and like I, flowers and stuff. It really should be all desert landscaping. <laughs> But that's why everything's dead Rip. is because, um, first of all, it's a desert. And second of all, there's a massive drought. So we cannot keep watering all the landscape. Oh, my gosh. No wonder. <laughs> no wonder. Okay. So it's, it's kind of nice in the winter sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. It's like it's a the, little the embodiment more of I tried. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, what show did you yep. see at Strummer's? I saw this band called, I saw AJJ, Andrew Jackson Jihad, which are, they're like sort of like a folk punk mm-hmm. like thing. Okay. <laughs> they're kind of hard to summarize. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but the guy that I was dating at time was like a massive fan. And so he was like, hey, do you want to go check out this band? I was like, yeah, sure. And then Strummers, like going to a show at Strummers itself is like very strange because there's not actually like 
enough people to make it like a 21 and over like venue so they have like the bar and it's like gated off Uh (laughs) and you can't take your alcohol outside of the bar and then you have all the underage like like your 18 in high schoolers and stuff like in front of the stage and but like you can't go over there like (laughs) if you have a drink so it's just very weird (laughs) that sounds great like everything i ever wanted in a show Yes, I'm just gonna stay back here and drink. Watch Fresno is just a very weird. Fresno is just like a very weird place. Like when people ask me what it's about, it's mm. the fifth largest city in California. It's a huge place, but it's just like urban, like textbook urban sprawl, mm. and it's just I don't wow. know. It's just a strange place. It's hard to understand unless you've been there. Gotcha. Um, and there's actually there's been a couple of sort of like movies and TV shows over the past couple of years that have sort of encapsulated like the Central Valley mm-hmm. experience of life. And one of them is Lady Bird, which takes place in Sacramento. Right. And that does a pretty good one. And the other one is Baskets, starring Zach Galifianakis. And it takes place in Bakersfield, which is about two hours south of Fresno. Mm-hmm. But it's another great, just like it does a really good job kind of conveying like life in the central valley because there's not a lot going on all right baskets single s basket baskets yes i'm obsessed with it right now it's very good um and unfortunately (laughs) louis ck was involved in its creation um but other than that like i think it's a really beautiful it's it's very like emotionally deep in a way i didn't i didn't anticipate but it's good okay yeah Ooh. Oh, I've seen this. I've seen his. Um, I'm, I just lo- looked up his, the the show and the the poster, I guess, for the show. I've, I've mm-hmm. seen this picture of him with like the eye paint in like. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I'll give it. I'll give it a go so I can have a, <laughs> a better understanding of. Yeah, I, d- I do movie. recommend it. Yeah. Okay. They're like obsessed with Costco, which is totally. Oh mm. yeah, I mean Costco started on the West Coast all those years ago, right? So it's part of the, it's part of the yeah, culture. We're obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> we're obsessed. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, Lady Bird. I mean, I only saw it the once. It was good. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, but it's also in some ways it's really heavy. Like I remember thinking, like I'm not sure if I would watch this again. Mm-hmm. Um. Which, you know, sometimes just happens right? Yeah. <laughs> with a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a lot of films are one and done for me. I think the the worst films are the ones that I watch over and over. And I, partly because I want to complain yeah. about it when I watch it the next time. You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. this movie is so terrible. Here, yeah. watch this with me. We're just, we're just going to complain. Yeah, the time. but then, like, you, you find those little, like, nuggets like mm-hmm. those gold nuggets that you're like it's totally worth watching like this entire yeah. movie for these like moments which like like my family we love nacho libre it's like <sighs> one of those movies that we've just seen that's fair countless times yeah and it's, it's I love so it. terrible it's so stupid but there's just like a lot of really great little like comedic moments yeah. <laughs> throughout even if you know as a movie, it's not the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I, lo- I love that movie. Love that movie. But it's the, the mm-hmm. my favorite t- bad movie that <clears throat> is used to judge other bad movies. Have you ever seen the movie Congo? No. Okay, so Congo is a movie that was released in the 1990s. I can't remember when. But it's essentially, uh, there's 
uh, this breed of white gorillas in the Congo that I, I don't remember it for sure if they're genetically engineered to be white, um, but they're like smart and angry and murderous. And uh, there's somebody that was studying it. So this woman, she goes to like find her fiance or whatever who gets lost in their studying. Tim Curry is in it. Uh, it's terrible, but it's so fantastically terrible that it's enjoyable to the point where you judge other movies on how many Congos it is. Right. Oh, the Congo scale. I yes, like it. there's a yeah. Congo scale. It's fantastic. And uh, like Tim Curry plays mm-hmm. this Romanian with this terrible accent. That's mm, it's beautiful. It's choice. Uh, it's it's so fantastic. It's such a gar- garbage movie, but it's amazing. Congo. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm trying to think now if I have like a favorite bad movie. I mean, I would per- possibly submit National Treasure. Okay. National Treasure. As a, as a gr- excellent bad movie that's because fair. when you really think about it it's it's bad <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's ridiculous and yeah. it's like Nick, Nicolas Cage who is one of the most prolific actors of our age um he this dude man it and I feel like compelled to watch everything he puts out just because I'm like oh, maybe there's maybe there's another gem in there somewhere <laughs> Maybe there's a gem. If I have any friends who who listen to this, I mean, if it makes it into the episode, they will be screaming uh, because I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan, mainly because of like the Nick Cage memes corner of oh, the internet. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I haven't actually seen that many Nick Cage movies, but oh, one really? of his more recent projects was this film called Mandy. <gasps> yeah, sort of like a like I think like sort of like a love letter to like the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is totally like, it's definitely one of those Nick Cage films and that, that where he's like aware of like what the world thinks of him. And mm-hmm. it's just like, there's just all these wonderful, crazy moments where you're like, yeah. you know, exactly. He knows what we're thinking like oh, about yeah. this scene right now. Absolutely. That was a good one. That's uh, yeah. I loved Mandy. I loved me. So like his older stuff mm-hmm. that I'm a big fan of leaving Las Vegas, um, yes. is a good one. And then he had like a string of like, oh, wow, these are enjoyable. Adaptation was really good. Matchstick yeah. Men was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, the You have Face Off, which, I mean, Face Off is a giant cheese ball. Um, and so it's yeah. it's not good, but it's one of those where you're like, oh, okay, I could watch this. It's just because of the cheese ball factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he has a few that I'm just like, oh, man, I, I like a few of this. Now I have to keep watching this garbage. In the hopes that I find something <laughs> like Con Air has its moments, but Con Air is another movie where you watch mm-hmm. just literally to make fun of it. You you mm-hmm. make fun of the whole movie, one hundred percent. You know, yeah, so. The Wicker Man as well. Oh, The Wicker um, Man that was <sighs> eight oh, millimeter. The the remake, the Nick Cage remake. Yeah, where he mm-hmm. with the bees. What? I forgot about that one. Yeah, Knight Rider. Oh, Ghost Rider. No, not writer. Ghost writer. Yeah, yeah. Ghost writer. <laughs> Part one and two. He yeah. does the same scream in Ghost Rider that he does I was in... Ghost Rider for Halloween oh, like no. a couple of years ago. A couple it years ago. It was actually a pretty badass costume. I did like a like a split down my face with like skull on one side. It was great. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Were you like the yeah. Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider from the, the Marvel TV show that they had recently? Or were you like the classic comic book one? 
I'm not going to pretend like I know enough about Ghost Rider to know <laughs> which version I was dressing up as. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, it's it's essentially, did you drive in a car or did you have a motorcycle as part of your costume? Oh, neither. I just had like a chain, oh. like wrapped around. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. I dig it. I dig it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Oh man. Yeah, it was it was it was fun uh getting to explore a little bit of Fresno. And it's funny that I chose Strummers. That's hilarious. I was like looking for places that had um live music but wasn't like a major like oh, come to this arena, you know. I like mm-hmm. I like smaller scale shows. And I remember you mentioning that you had um gotten like heavy into live music, but it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it felt like you were communicating like, oh, no, I like to go to shows like at the local bar, mm-hmm. you know, that has a stage sort of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, Strummers is totally one of the only live music venues that gets like actual like touring acts. The other mm. one is like probably like the Rainbow Ballroom downtown, but they get a lot of like um, like Mexican, like Latino acts that come through. Nice. But otherwise, it's the big Fresno Fair and like Save Mart Center. <laughs> ah. So I really, um, I and I always love shows. And actually, my my mom, my parents both love music. So we would um, regularly drive up to like the Bay Area or mm. like down to LA to like see concerts. Gotcha. Um, okay. But when I moved to Columbus, like that really like sort of like that love really blossomed because there was a lot of really great just like small music venues Mm. um so in addition to just like all this all these other bands these new acts that i really love i've also slowly been just like ticking off like acts that i would have loved like 15 year old brianna would have loved to see or like even 20 year old brianna um a lot of like 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 the early aughts like punk bands like i saw blink 182 finally a couple years ago and that was amazing nice Um, they put on a good show Right on, right on. The I, w- one thing that I've gotten into, um, I through this this guy on TikTok uh, is ska, and so he's a part of this ska band that's trying to lead this movement mm-hmm. to bring ska back into the, you know, the forefront of musical offerings. But um, from a like a really like intentional place like oh no let's talk about the the history of music and how it influenced this and that and this and that and i'm like okay Okay. i respect it i respect it you know so i'm I'm eager to see what kind of fun things so it's not just like crusty white dudes who are like we gotta bring back the scar no 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 it's more intentional okay then i'm on board i was like is that really a good idea though but now it's something that's much more like historically minded yeah yeah it's great it's great though oh man that's great. So was there was there anything else in the story that you're like, oh, that was that that was funny. Let's I'll, I'll talk about that later that we haven't hit. We got your granddad feeding mm-hmm. squirrels. We got strummers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, also, I think like the way that the boyfriend Derek was portrayed was mm-hmm. really interesting um, because he's kind of like an amalgamation of like um like the serious relationship that I had gotten out of, like as I was pl- applying to grad school, because like this person was very like mopey and like, Oh, like you're going to leave me. Mm. And then the person that I like sort of like the summer fling, like right before I left where we just like 
had a good time like doing silly shit mm-hmm. um but also maybe was kind of like like kind of sad about so that was that was really interesting um yeah nice right on <laughs> right yeah. on i'm glad i'm glad i was able to like like tack a few things that you know you could relate to mm-hmm. that's great that's great. yes the one thing the one glaring thing oh i don't wear high heels so no nope. never again nope dang it <laughs> maybe like chunky like chunky like high heeled boots but nothing with like it's got to be a wedge. Otherwise, okay. I'm so unhappy. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Alrighty. I liked the idea of the like the power walk, smacking against yes. the the sidewalk. So, mm-hmm. but dang, I missed it. Maybe I should have said her wedges. She okay. smacks her wedges. That would have. <laughs> <laughs> that would have rang true. Oh man. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Cool. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for being a part yeah. of this. this. Thank was, you so much for having me yeah, on. Man, this was a really good time. Mm-hmm. Really good yeah. Time. I think that one of the one of the really cool things about like um, finding using podcasting as a way to like get your ideas out there and then mm-hmm. catch everybody else who is using, you know, that format and just mm-hmm. like exchanging ideas and just I I I really continue to think that it's it's such a cool format and I'm like, hell yeah, like let's get together and talk about this. You yeah. know, like a nerd historian and a mm-hmm. story writer with a background, you know, in yeah. in movie production. So I just think it's it's such a cool way um to to explore the world and and explore new ideas. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Right on. Excellent. It was great having you. So I think with that being said, well, let's wind down today's episode. Again, my guest, Brianna Mendoza. If you would like to follow her, please look her up at Brianna underscore Mendoza. That's Brianna, B-R-I-O-N-N-A. You can follow her podcast on Twitter as well, at Prologued Pod. Or you could follow Origins on Instagram, Twitter, and their Facebook like page, at Origins OSU. Listen out for prologue season two hopefully which will be by uh the end of august excited excited to have her on the show thank you so much for being here brianna thanks for having me oh yeah for sure for sure uh follow the show on uh, on twitter other you podcast on instagram other you underscore podcast uh for brianna imd for right now we out come back next week for another episode bye <laughs>